Well, today, today is a great day to continue our series on the grace of God. All of July, we're talking about God's grace. So let's talk today about the house of God. Let's talk about the Father's house. This is what I call the Father's house right here. This is the body of Christ. This is the church. And we come together to worship Jesus Christ, God's son, and we are his body as a church. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what kind of house is the Father's house? Today I want to inspire and encourage you to run into the Father's house and learn how to live from the Father's house. Because in the Father's house, we find grace and we find truth. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This month we're going to focus on the core value of grace, the empowering favor of God. Grace is the empowering favor of God, filling you with joy. Everyone say joy. You know, it's the same root word of grace and joy are the same root word. In the Greek, the same root word for joy and grace is the same thing. You think God did that on, on mistake there? God wants you to be happy. I know it's crazy. It's wonderful. He wants you to have power and filling with joy to accomplish all that God has ever asked you to do in this life, in this season, on earth. Grace is the get it done word that puts supernatural fuel in your tank to do the things that God's called you to do. God, grace is both salvation for eternity. How many are thankful for salvation by faith through grace? But it's also power for today. Grace is both. So the Father's house is a gracious house. And today, let's take a look at the life of Joseph and learn about the graciousness of God. If the Bible teaches a clear principle, like the power of grace, do you think today we could all grow in the grace of God? Do you think your house could grow in the grace of God today? Can you, can you as Pastor Barry says, can you in, uh, enlarge the circles of your life to include more grace in your life for your house? So let's use the insights from Joseph's life which are recorded in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. That's a lot of chapters for one guy's story, isn't it? It's a key. It's a, he's, his life is key. So turn to Genesis chapter 37. And it all started with a dream. Joseph had dreams. Dreams so big that his family didn't understand. Some of you have dreams and you don't feel they've been accepted by your family. Some of you don't feel understood by your family. But take heart, in the Father's house, you can dream again. We're not looking back to the statistics of our past. We're looking forward to dreaming with God again. Because the Father's house is a gracious house. And you and I are positioned to dream with God. Just like Joseph, he had a dream, and you are God's dream. There's a dream inside of you, as Barry would say, wrapped in flesh, 
And the dream inside of you, God wants to take outside of you and show to the world. Every one of you, God has a dream inside of you. Are you ready to go to new places with God? Would you give him permission to take you to new places? He's not going to force you, is he? He's looking for willing participants. But here's the challenge. There, were people, there are people in your life, like Joseph's brothers, who are motivated by fear, anger, pride, jealousy. They will attempt to sabotage your godly dream or vision, all because they feel left out. They believe if your dream comes true and you get a bigger portion, then that means their portion must be smaller. If the pizza gets ordered and it's a large pizza and there's 10 slices and you get six, they go, oh no, there's only four left. That's called a poverty mentality. It's called not believing that there's more than enough. It's called believing there's only enough, just enough. It's a survival mentality. God wants you to live from an abundance mentality to live from the land of more than enough. And when Katrina and I were at Costco with the family last month, they opened up. We went down there and spent way too much money. Actually, it was in budget. It was just a big budget. We were helping the economy restart. All right. Yeah, single-handedly. And so uh, we, the kids grabbed a thing of ice cream cones this big because it's Costco. And I said, what are we buying 18 ice cream cones that we have to drive an hour the other way before we even get home? They'll probably be melted. So we let them buy them anyways. I don't know. We were feeling good. So they threw in 18 ice cream cones. And before we go on the road, I said, we're going to eat those now because they're going to melt all over the car. So we got out. We started getting the ice cream cones out. And this guy in the van drives by and he goes, hey, are you giving ice cream cones away? And we turn around. We say, yes. And I went to, I said, what do you want? And Katrina uh, goes, Katrina knew the guy. She said his name. And then that guy says Katrina's name. They went to high school together. And I said, oh, this is even better. They had like a 15-passenger van, but there's only three of them in there. I said, how many are in there? He goes, I'm just joking. I said, we're not joking. How much ice cream do you want? And we have caramel and chocolate. And he goes, no, no. And they started chatting because they were old friends and waving, and, and he wouldn't take them. So Katrina goes, just throw them in the window. So I grabbed a bunch of them and just threw them in the van they started laughing and they drove off and I was just feeling good. I was just feeling excited. I've got ice cream. And then there's this lady about the far, you know, like 75 yards away and she's kind of looking down there and I look back at her and I said, come and get ice cream. She goes, what? I said, I have ice cream. Just come down here and get some. She goes, let me put my stuff away first. So she put her stuff in the car. She comes down. She goes, what are you doing? I said, we're just got a lot of ice cream here. You want chocolate or caramel? She said, I'll take that one. So she took it. Thank you so much. It's because we have an abundant mentality. There's always more than enough in the Father's house. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's simple things like ice cream. You know, there's people like Joseph's brother that think they can control the outcome of your life. People think they can control you, manipulate you. People think they can um, take God's will for your life and say, oh, no, we're going to change that dream. We'll make sure that dream never happens. But let me tell you something. 
Like we said in that song, Jesus' name is above every other name. There's only one God. There's only one Lord, Jesus Christ. And he is far higher than what any human being will ever attempt against your dream. That's called the grace of God. And when God says enough, how many know it's over? When God flips the switch and the party lights turn on, nobody's going to stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. Now, here's the flip side of that coin. Some people are afraid of prospering with God because then they think, oh, no, I have too much. Now, the other person doesn't have any. See, it's the same poverty mentality. You feel guilty for being blessed. Don't worry, because we can all be free from the spirit of poverty. We can all repent. It means change your thinking and think like God thinks, act like Jesus acted, and be filled with an abundant Holy Spirit who will guide you. So the Father's house is a gracious house, and there's no lack within these walls. You can start saying in your life, there is no lack in my life. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the other word is lack. They're the same right there. You're not wanting anymore. So I want to share six keys that increase the Father's gracious house on your house. Are you ready for your house to have an impartation of grace, power, favor, goodness, mercy? Yeah. Let's start here with Genesis 37. So Joseph was 17 years old. He begins with a dream as a beloved, spoiled, publicly adored son. But through the manipulation of his angry and jealous family, he's stripped of his unique identity his position, his protection, his trust. He goes from a beloved son to a slave in about a few minutes. They strip off his fancy clothes and throw him in a pit. He goes from an heir of his father to a servant with no rights. This all happens in the first 36 verses. That's a rude shock to anybody. All of this was out of Joseph's control. You will see that for the most part of Joseph's early life, until he was about 30, almost everything that happened to him was outside of his control. How are you with control? We think we have to do this and do that and control this and control that. Until Joseph was 30, he could barely get to decide if he was going to tie his shoes that day. In our country and in the U.S., I, you know, control and power and individualism is so strong that we think we have to just get everything right and control everything. But you'll find, usually when we lack control is when God is doing his best training and equipping. Joseph didn't want to be trafficked as a human being. He was forced to work with zero rights. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. He had little or no control of where he lived, what he ate, what his duties were, what his corresponding wages would be. Yet God was still gracious to him. So here's key number one. We don't have to be in control of our circumstances or relationships to grow in the grace, in the favor, or provision of the Father's house. You don't have to be in control anymore. That is scary to 50% of you, and the other 50% are going, Yahoo! You don't have to be in control to receive the favor and grace of God. Even when most of what happens to you is out of control, the promises of God are never voided. 
Don't lose faith or patience in the character of God while you're waiting on him to do what he said he would do. God will do what he said he would do. Is God a liar? Is God trustworthy? So if he says something to you, by faith, you can wait it out. You don't have to control the in-between time. Therefore, my favor is not restricted by my situation, my position, my finances, or my title. God was with Joseph even when his family was not. Your circumstances do not determine the amount of favor you're going to have in your life. God determines that. If so much of our life is outside of control, I asked, what is in control? What's in, what's in our control? Joseph, until he was 30, had literally no control over his life. But he did have a few things he could control. Joseph showed us that we can faithfully serve others. We can choose that. We can uh, choose to honor the authority figure in our life. We can choose not to steal, covet. We can refuse sexual immorality. Those are a few things he could choose. In other words, your personal moral walk with God, you can still choose those things. Here's key number two. The grace that you receive from living in the Father's house is not just for you. The grace of God is not just for you. Genesis 39.5 says, So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of his house. So now Joseph has been promoted in his employer's house. He was a slave to Potiphar. He got promoted in all that he had. And the Lord blessed whose house? The Egyptian's house. For Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the fields. So whose house did he bless? The Egyptian. Whose field did he bless? The Egyptian. Why is that? Why does God favor those around us, even if their morality, their faith doesn't align with ours? I love this verse in 2 Chronicles 6.19 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of whose heart is loyal to him. You know that God is looking for loyal hearts right now. And he wants to pour his goodness and his glory through those loyal hearts and show the whole world how good God is. And he's looking to you to be the example. You are the example of the goodness of God on earth. The grace of our Father extends to all areas of your influence and to anyone that you serve. Think about who you serve in your life. So the same amount of favor on your life is going to be on their life. The kingdom of God is within you so that wherever you go, it goes with you. The kingdom of God is within you, so wherever you go, it goes with you. It's not just in this congregational building right here where we meet called the church. The, you know, the Greek would be the ecclesia, the, the coming together men of the government of God. That is true. But wherever we go, the kingdom goes with us. And so that grace that is inside of you comes out of you, out there. And we're trying to grow that grace. And I had a testimony this week uh, from a niece, and she had a medical appointment at the hospital here. And so she asked for prayer, and we prayed for her. She went in for a CAT scan, and she got there and said, no, 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 it's not today, it's tomorrow. She said, well, the lady told me today. 
How frustrating is that? Have you ever been through this stuff? Especially with health. You know, it's really personal. It's frustrating. So she said, okay. So she comes back the next day. Well, her CAT scan, she said, was about two minutes total. But in the meantime, she led the guy to the Lord that was working with her. And I said, I think we might know why your appointment got bumped. And she said, I think we know. See, you can choose to get so frustrated with life. You can try to control everything. Or you can just go with the grace of God, and every time you show up, you're at your grace level, and you're ready to pour it out on whoever's in the room. That was awesome, Anise. That was a great testimony. If you were ready, you were ready. God is always looking for a person to be a channel of blessing, to display his glory and his goodness. God was with Joseph even when his employer was not. How many of you had bad work experiences? So is God's favor, is God's favor limited by your employer? No. See, we need to break that stuff off of us. We, need to, we don't need to think that way anymore. Now things started looking up for Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. In th- verse 3 and 4, it says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So here's a verse. In this verse, we see key number three. This is throughout Joseph's life. Do not look to climb the ladder through self-promotion, but serve the leader that God has already placed in your life today. Do not look for self-promotion. Oh, I got to get this. I got to get that. I got to serve whoever God has put in front of you today. Who has God put in your life? What authority figures have God put in your life? What people can you serve today? Start there. Start at the bottom of the ladder and serve. You'll know when promotion time comes. But you don't have to use your own power to try to accomplish something and get higher. And this is really hard for us in our country because we want, we're told to go get it, right? To be the man, to be the woman, to, to just make it happen. The strongest will survive. The, 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 the one who does this the best, blah, 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 blah. But with God, when he sees a faithful servant who is faithful in the house, he knows you're ready for promotion. And God will use a man or woman to promote you, but you don't have to promote yourself. I know that when I was volunteering in the local schools, serving sandwiches and snacks to kids, one day the vice principal just tapped me on the shoulder and said, would you be interested in being the chairman of our board for our our teacher, parent, teacher council? I said, excuse me? She goes, well, your son's here. I said, yes, I've never been in those kind of roles. She She says, well, you'll do great. I said, well, I'll show up at the first meeting. So I showed up at the first meeting. They said, well, we're voting in a new chairman. And, uh, and, and Mark's put his name forward. So uh, anyone, any, anyone else like to, uh, t- anyone else? Okay, great. Mark, you're the chairman. Great. And they all clap. And I thought, well, here we go. All, all I did was show up and serve. I didn't ask to be on any boards or anything like that. They just said, it's time. The authority in my life said it's time. We just have to be ready. We just have to say yes. And until then, we're just serving. 
Because we don't get our identity out of our titles, our prestige, who we know, what we know. Our identity comes from the love of the Father. In the Father's house, you don't have to fight for that stuff anymore. Because you're already a son or daughter, and you already have an inheritance from the Lord. Some of you have been fighting for stuff at work, fighting in your marriage. You're trying to gain. You're trying to get ahead in life. I just want to tell you to stop. Stop fighting. Surrender your rights to God and let him father and mother you. Let him pour a blessing on your life so rich and so wonderful, the world will go, wow, what's going on? You don't earn it. You receive it. So here's the key. As favor increases in your life, you will see a correlation to an increased responsibility to serve more people. Favor is not just for yourself. Favor is always an increase of grace to serve more people and have more responsibility. Joseph's favor increased as did his scope of responsibility to better people's lives. We also see that favor and grace from God are first for the house, then for the city, and then for the nation. Don't look for shortcuts. Don't we all, I want to be that person. You know, we all try to climb the ladder fast and be right up there. This is how it worked. Think about it. Think of Joseph's life. Joseph said yes first to his dad. His dad said, go check on your brothers. He said, yes, dad. Then he said yes to Potiphar, and he became the overseer of Potiphar's house. Third, he said yes to the prison guard, and he became the overseer of the prison. And finally, in Joseph's life, he said yes to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I'll be the overseer of a nation. But it started where? In the house. Obedience and trust and faithfulness always starts in the house. We try to, try to change a city, try to change a nation, and we haven't even changed our own house. Pastor Kevin and the leadership here have always said the gospel always starts where? At home. Did Joseph ask to become the overseer of Potiphar's house? Not that we're aware of, but the grace and favor of God promoted Joseph and made him successful. After Joseph was falsely accused and sent to prison for more than two years, God once again promoted him to serve the nation of Egypt as the top advisor and director of the nation. Joseph's brothers had originally trafficked him for silver coins, but God had much greater plans. Joseph even said yes to his brothers years later. So now it was not with you who sent me here, Joseph said, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. That was Genesis 45.8. So this verse shows us key number four, that through trials, the grace of God is going to mature you from a faithful son and daughter to a mature father and mother. That's the process. It took over 20 years for Joseph to reunite with the brothers who betrayed him, who broke his trust, who left him for dead. And what did Joseph become? Did Joseph become a resentful, angry, orphaned man, immature, full of vengeance and hate? Or did he become a trusted and wise father who gave counsel and wisdom to one of the most powerful nations 
on the planet. See the options that Joseph had? Are we going to remain as angry and upset people feeling like we've been orphaned, without luck, without blessing, without a father, without a mother? Are we going to say, no, that might be my past and my history, but my God and my Father has adopted me by faith through Christ, and now I am an heir to the throne, and I have all rights and privileges as my elder brother, Jesus Christ himself, I have a place at the table. I can feast even in the presence of my enemies. Which choice are you going to make? I like being the beloved son. It feels good. It feels great. You don't have to fight your own battles anymore. Your father will take care of that. The father's house is a gracious house, and he's raising up mothers and fathers to guide each generation. Key number five, when we live from the Father's house of grace and preparation, our discipleship, our training can take many, many years. But our promotion and blessing from God can come to us in a day. So the training, the training, the discipleship, the correction, the rebukes, the coaching can take years. But when promotion from God comes, it can come in a day. And it often does, doesn't it? One phone call, and it's all changed around. So do not grow weary as God trains you. Don't say, oh, I don't get to do this. I don't get to do that. I don't have this. I don't have that. God is training you. Don't hurry that. Because when God's ready, he'll tap someone on the shoulder and say, it's your turn. And all you have to say is say, here we go. I'm ready. The Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, this is chapter 41, 14, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, shaved him, changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. Can you imagine that day? So he's been in the dungeon for over two years. All of a sudden they say, hey, you, you're up. Get, get, get down to the shower room. Get the shave going. Get some, get some clone on that guy. That guy stinks. Soap him up. All of a sudden you're in front of the most powerful person in your entire region of the world. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you, Joseph. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set over all the land of Egypt. The Pharaoh took his signet ring off, put it in Joseph's hand. He clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee, set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man will lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Phanah, probably Egyptian for God speaks and he lives. That's what that Egyptian word means. God speaks and he lives. And he gave him a wife the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So to me, this sounds like a movie. Listen to this. He was gifted with a position of power. He got the car. He got the pastor's daughter. He had two children of his own. He had all these gold necklaces, like, you know, the movie, like the video, the music videos. He got 
all these nice clothes. He had been stripped of all of his worldly comforts, his positions, his symbols. But when God repaid Joseph, he went over the top. Joseph was about 30 years old. So that was 13 years of life that Joseph spent in a role of a slave. It was a school of simple service. He lacked control, and he had unfair treatment for 13 years. But how many know when God starts to repay? Remember what his brothers took from him before they threw him in the pit? That nice robe that his daddy gave him. But how many robes did he get from Pharaoh? How many necklaces? How many cars? God said, I will repay. So don't give up hope. If you've been betrayed, if you've been stolen from, you take that to God. You say, God, I know you're going to repay that. And when you do, I'll be ready. And it's going to be even greater. Last key. It's human nature to fear punishment for our past sins. But in the Father's house of grace, you receive mercy, tenderness, affection, provision, and family. See, these brothers who betrayed their own brother, they attempted to destroy or kill Joseph. They were not given due penalty, were they? They were not given what they deserved. Instead, they were given free food, forgiveness, the wealth of others was transferred into their accounts, their trips were paid for in the midst of a famine, they were given free and the best land to work, they were given special provisions from Pharaoh. What did the brothers do to deserve all that? But they happened to know somebody, didn't they? They knew a brother named Joseph. What was Joseph's role in all that? Joseph chose to forgive him. He wept over it. And he welcomed them back in the family. How many would say that you need a supernatural grace to do that kind of stuff? Have you ever been hurt by someone? And you thought, you know what? The only way out of this is I will just never let them in my life again. I'm not talking about healthy boundaries. You're saying, they ain't no boundary. I'm blowing them up. They're not getting close to me. (laughs) A healthy boundary would say, well, because of our trust level being broken, we will slowly have this type of relationship that allows us to mutually uh, be respectful, kind, and loving to each other appropriately. That's a boundary. So much of them and so much of you, that's appropriate. Having no boundary means just, see you, sucker. I hope, the, I hope the wolves and the sharks don't get you. Or you do hope. <laughs> Even old Father Jacob, there's stories of him weeping, going, oh, my only son, now I'm going down to the grave. They're going to take my son, Ben, and he's going to die too. Oh, is me. He forgot about all the prophecies that he had heard from angels and dreams and visions. He was, he was losing faith in his old age. Even old Jacob got his son back. They got it through the grace of God and the forgiveness of Joseph. God is the God of his word. 
And God will show you and I the same grace that God showed that family. Are you in need of some grace today? Do you have some broken areas in your life and your family that you would love God's favor and grace to come in and start turning it around? Not because you earned it, but because he's your dad and you say, Daddy God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I surrender and just start pouring the buckets of grace because I'm ready. No one else can do that for you, can they? You just got to receive it. Genesis 50, 18 through 21 says, Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. See how they're, they're coming back. If we could only be your servant. Joseph said, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. In the house of grace, we do not repay evil for evil. In this house, in this church family, as messy as it can be, as tough as it can be, as the mistakes that I make or you make or we hurt one another, we never repay evil for evil. Instead, we learn that we repay evil with forgiveness. And then as you rebuild your relationship through trust, you can pour all kinds of stuff out. Grace, mercy, provision, kindness, goodness, open arms. The Father's house is a gracious house. So let me just review the six keys of living from the Father's house in his favor. Number one, we don't have to be in control to be favored. Two, the grace isn't just for you, it's for all those who are connected to you. So make sure to give it away. The more grace that we get, the more responsibility we get. So as favor increases, remember, it's so that you can serve more people and bless more people. Four, God is maturing us from sons and daughters into fathers and mothers. We're all on that journey together. How many can see that our nation needs more fathers and mothers? That's you. This is not an age thing. This is a growth thing, maturity thing. So all you do is you start as a son and daughter and say, God, I'm your son. God, I'm your daughter. Help me to be faithful and mature. And he'll grow you up. And before you know it, now you're discipling and maturing, helping with other people as a father or mother. Our promotion, number five, is long in preparation, but quick in delivery. So your preparation is long, but when it comes, expect it to come fast. And six, we give forgiveness where other people have given us hurt and betrayal. We do not repay evil for evil in this house because this is a gracious house. Not based on lies, but on truth, forgiveness, and love. We were teasing Pastor Kevin this week about how many times can we uh, give you a phone call, Pastor Kevin, just to kind of pick your ear on stuff per day, per day. And he said maybe four per day per person. Max, he said. So we were joking. And so I, I used one of my calls, I think Saturday, uh, Friday night at like 9.30 p.m. I said, I'm using one of my calls. And I called just to tell him a joke or tell him a funny dream I had. So we were just laughing. I said, I'm calling. Uh, how many calls do I get? And he said, uh, gracious that you can call as many times as you need. So Barry only gets four, but he said... 
Well, I'll let you two work that out. <laughs> it's only funny because it's true. Okay, so it's an example of grace. You can call as many times as you need. And we all need men and women in our life like that that we can go to and find grace. How many need another person that can tell you the law and to give you judgment? I'm not looking for that guy. Please, please tell me all the things I've done wrong and how bad a person I am. You know, the devil does a pretty good job at that. We don't need to do that to each other, do we? We're the grace people. We're the ones that speak the truth, but we give hope and love, and we confess our sins one to another, and we find healing and hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's close today. Could you stand together? The grace of God is coming in like waves. Our job is to get out, get our feet wet, and just take it. Let those waves splash you. Have fun at the beach. But you got to go. I can't go down there for you. You got to make time and space in your own life to open that door to the grace of God and ask for it, and you will receive it. So, Father, today we thank you that you are a gracious Father and that your house is a house of grace. And this house, Desert Stream, both physically, naturally, right here, and those who are spiritually with us online right now, we declare that we are a house of grace. We are becoming graceful people. We are growing in grace. We are abounding in grace. And we will have enough grace for every situation, every charitable opportunity. We will have more than enough. And I declare that over every household here, that these seeds of grace are being planted. And there is nothing too hard for our God. So we take the seeds of faith and grace and we plant them in our soul and our spirit. And we say, yes, God. Yes to grace. In Jesus' name, amen.